Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan O'Rourke, and I'm in studio today with two of my friends and a brand new table. So as excited as I am to introduce Father James Mallon and Ron Huntley, if you're just listening, you don't know what a beautiful table I'm sitting in front of, but it is wood, it is solid, and it is, it's just a beautiful thing. Father James, what do you think of our new table? Well, I was kind of, it's, it's beautiful, it really is. It's very, it's very uh, woody. It's very woody. I feel like the studio is going from maintenance to mission now. We've got a lot more solidity in front of us. And we've also got a whole bunch of, of the Divine Renovation books, including Ron. This one here, this is the special one. What's that one called? Unlocking Your Parish, Making Disciples, and Raising Up Leaders with Alpha. Ah, by a, a guy named Ron Huntley. Congratulations, man. I'm still so excited that this book is out there. It's and just, Father James Mallon. It, it is awesome. <laughs> it is just awesome that it's out there. So, look, guys, I wanted to just check in with you, see how things are going, because I think there's something interesting coming around the pipe. In fact, there's a couple really cool interesting things coming around. One of them is so cool that we're going to be inviting Hannah Von Spruce onto the podcast in just a few minutes to talk about some of the things that are happening mm-hmm. in the UK because all three of us, but not the table, are going to be traveling across the ocean to spend some time in the UK uh, doing a Divine Renovation Conference, DR19 mm-hmm. UK. I'm pretty excited mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I love what Hannah's doing over there and, and we're coaching several churches over there that are on the ground continuing to do great things in their parish and, and when asked, sharing what they're doing, their learnings, the, the things they're struggling with. And so there's great things happening over there. Of course, the UK is the home of Holy Trinity Brompton, where Alpha came out of. And so it's it's just a wonderful place to, to have new breakthroughs in the Catholic Church. And I'm really excited. So one of the things that, that we're doing here locally is, and we've done, I think we've talked about this perhaps on, on our podcast before, uh, we're doing a leadership summit here locally at St. Benedict mm-hmm. Parish. Uh, Father James, why don't you, you talk about, what's the goal of a leadership summit? Well, basically, it, it's, a, it's a chance to really disproportionately invest into your key people, mm-hmm. and those are your, your, your leaders, those who have leadership positions, and those who, have, those who are people of influence. So typically, we would begin by saying, okay, who are the ministry leaders, who are the people on pastoral council, staff, and finance council, and even with ministry leaders, invite them to bring someone that they are apprenticing. And we bring these key people together. And generally, you would get anywhere between 90 to 130 people who would who would come mm-hmm. to these. Not everyone can come all, all, all the time, but the purpose was to equip those key people to be vision carriers. So people who would leave... Uh, a, a, a Saturday morning gathering like that and go back to their teams excited, renewed, refreshed, uh, really pumped up to, in turn, get the people they serve and support in ministry pumped up and excited. And and so if, if vision is key and, 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 and alignment is key, that, that was definitely one of the key principles. The other thing we tried to do was to try to equip them in some way to to lead. Uh, we would speak into some aspect of, of leadership. And the goal was to make it fun, and really enjoyable. And we would always finish the mornings with a time of prayer, calling on the Holy Spirit. And what I love just over the last year even is they're even better now that I know. since I stepped aside, they're even better than they were. <laughs> now, one of the things, Father James, you said was that there were about 90 to 110-ish people. Now, that's at St. Benedict Parish, right? So so just so people have the perspective, because I don't want them to think, oh, I'll never get 110 leaders out. I've only got right. 200 people at my parish. But like at St. Benedict, we've got uh, roughly about 1,500, 1,600 bums and seats on the weekend. About about 1,400 on uh, on average. It can go up, it can go down. Yeah. Right. So so that, that gives you a sense of, of, of sort of the proportion of, mm. of people at, at St. Benedict that are being invited into that. That conversation. Mm. Yeah. And the key thing is not how many, 
it's that we're investing in leaders at all. Like most churches, you know, uh, we, I'd always joke that you, you were the unlucky person who walked by father when all of a sudden he heard we had a hole in a ministry, he tapped you on the shoulder because he knew he could count on you and looked you in the eye and said, can you do this for me? And you couldn't say no. And, and then you get stuck in it for the next 30 years. And we rarely, I very few churches invest in their leaders over and over and over again. And we didn't either. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we began to do that, it created a groundswell of support for where we were going, what we were doing, and why we were doing it, so that when there were misunderstandings in the pews, which happens all the time, you had all kinds of people who could speak truth and encouragement into misunderstandings and misinformation. And so that's the benefit of creating vision carriers and investing in people to help them become great leaders. Because... At the end of the day, I really believe if you belong to your local parish and that's not making you a great person in all kinds of ways, then what are we doing? We have an opportunity to make people great. Yeah. And, and this is one of the ways we, we do often it. used to hear that too. People would, would finish the morning and say, you know, what we talked about today and what I learned today is, is going to help me to be a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a, a better employee, a, a better leader in my workplace, not just in the church. Amen. So we really are investing in people to build them up. A lot of uh, pastors, parish priests, uh, aren't even sure how to start. These are the mm. kinds of resources, though, because, Ron, you and I were talking about it just this morning. These are the kinds mm. of resources that we're trying to equip parishes with through the Divine Renovation Network, the videos that we create. Mm. While we're not filming this one and we're feeling a little guilty about it, uh, we're, we're going to make an effort to try and film a, an upcoming leadership summit so we can kind of capture how they run at St. Benedict Parish. At this one, though, Ron, because we're not going to be able to, to capture a video of it, yeah. you're actually speaking. Do you want us to share a little bit about what you plan to talk about and how that'll work for, yeah. for people who attend? Sure, I I've been invited to speak a little bit into the APES, which that acronym comes from Jesus made some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds, and some teachers for, for to build up the church, to bring people to a maturity and a fullness of faith. And so any missional church is going to have to have those five charisms, those five styles of ministries working effectively in their church if they're going to be sustainable and be fruitful. And so uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We have an exercise to help people figure out what their profile looks like. And then we're going to speak into it because we're all hardwired and and bent towards the very things that we, uh, how we were made. But sometimes because of that, we undervalue some of the things that... Yeah, I think right? a proper understanding of this can help a, a parish be less judgmental. Yes. Because we instinctively <laughs> judge people for not being as passionate about certain things as we are. So that true. There must be something wrong with you. But of course, we're often not as passionate as they are about other things. It's because so true. we're being gifted with a different charism. You know, one of the, the people who has designed a, a, a kind of a test, a, a, a kind of metric for this, is an author by the name of Alan Hirsch. He's a, an Australian uh, missiologist who comes from a non-Catholic background. And I, you know, just, just this morning when you, you told us about that, uh, about the fact that you were going to be doing this at the summit. I said, well, this morning I actually was reading something that he wrote. And I, th- I brought the book in today thinking that I might share this quote because it's, it's, it's a great summary. I really love this stuff. So if I've never actually read from a book in a podcast before, but I'd love to do that. <laughs> well, please, is, do. I, is that okay, Dan? Absolutely. Can I, can I, am I allowed to make fun of you for using a cocktail, a Christmas cocktail napkin as your bookmark? <laughs> it's all I could find this morning. It's all I could find is a, is a bookmark. So, And it's, you know, we just finished the... The wedding feast of Cana we just began ordinary times. So it's okay to have leftover Christmas napkins. So here's, here's what he said. He says, uh, it is worth recalling that the church in the West is now facing a massive adaptive challenge. 
Positively, this challenge comes in the form of compelling opportunity. This is great. We've got a great opportunity. And negatively, in the form of rapid, discontinuous, and disruptive change. And mm. I think, sadly, that's what many of our, us are experiencing because we, we have come out of a Christendom model. In many ways, we're still there. So he continues, these challenges constitute a considerable threat to Christianity, locked as it is into the more rigid and inflexible Christendom forms of church, mm. which is what we find in most parishes. Um, Canadian missiologist Alan Roxborough is correct when he says that the transition from Christendom modes to the new forms necessitates the apostolic role. Mm. Environments of disruptive change require flexible and adaptive organizations and leaders to design and guide them. As the apostolic role is responsible and gifted for the extension of Christianity, so too the missionary situation requires a pioneering and innovative mode of leadership to help the church negotiate the new territory in which it finds itself. Mm. Hence, divine renovation of what in, in what we're trying to do. Uh, this is clear enough when we consider the missional church movement, which by its nature relies heavily on an innovative pioneering spirit and is therefore fundamentally apostolic in nature. But it is equally true for established churches that require fundamental reform mm. and restructure to align themselves more perfectly with God's purposes. And that's where we find ourselves in the diocese right now. And many dioceses are, are basically trying to realign and restructure um, who they are uh, to, to, to try to respond to this new situation that we are in a post-Christendom world. And, mm. and we need a new form of innovative apostolic leadership. Because if you look at those charisms, traditionally... Uh, in diocesan priesthood and diocesan leadership, we've really valued the charisms of pastor and teacher. Mm. So we want people who care for the sheep. And the primary mode of caring for the sheep is a therapeutic mode, you know, visiting the sick and all this, mm -hmm. which is good. Uh, and and teaching, that's what we valued. And we've tended to not really value apostolic leadership. And apostolic leadership, well, today's the feast of the... Well, uh, okay. As we record, I'm not supposed to say this, but I said it. So today, as we record, it's the feast of the conversion of St. Paul. Yes. There, I said it. It's too late You now. broke the third wall, Father Jerry. And, you know, there was an apostle. You know, he apostle is someone who sent. Paul was sent. But an apostle has this... There's this burning fire to to go to 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 break the mold to to go into new territory to uh to to, to go beyond the status quo, uh, and that's where we that's where we find ourselves as a, as, as a church. And I think the APAS thing uh, tool and and the lens can really help us do that. It sure can because I'll bet you there's people listening to this podcast right now that are saying. That's heresy, like in their stomach. They're so upset with what you just said, that, that we need to innovate and change and be flexible and all those things that you read in that book because they want to hold on to, you know, things that are uh, tried, true, and tested, and, and right? And there's this tension. But if we can understand what their apex themes are, they'll understand themselves better, yeah. and they're probably very low and apostolic, and that's okay. Yeah. And we are, of course, talking about how we do things, not changing our, our core Beliefs, beliefs you know? yes. And here's the thing, too. I mean, the, the apostle leaves the 99 to go in search of the one. Mm. Uh, but if, you're, if your primary charism is, is pastor or shepherd, leaving the 99 is, is going to give you a brain hemorrhage. I mean, so it's just, it's, it's going to break your heart. You're, you're, not, mm. you're not hardwired for that. So, so stop beating yourself up. Yes. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're not as passionate about that as you think you should be, because right. that might not be the way you're called and gifted. 
Right. And so it can be a very liberating thing. Now, the key thing is, is that it's not up to every individual to embody all of these charisms. It's up to the church Amen. to embody these. Yes. And so the key is to begin with an awareness of how are you uh, gifted and bring others around you. So, Ron, one of the things our ministry does is, is we coach and journey with, uh, with parishes, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and of course, that's the team that you lead. You lead the, the team of coaches, the Divine Renovation coaches that, that speak into these parishes. What are some of the things you're seeing and hearing about innovation? What, what, what are some of the challenges or, or uh, approaches that, that you're taking on with, with the coaches and with the parishes you're with? It's interesting, you know, because I'm guilty of saying the same things over and over and over and over again, because sometimes... You know, it's like scripture. Every time I read scripture and I come back around and read a piece of scripture I've read many years ago and really meditate on it, I hear a new thing. Mm. Like the Holy Spirit convicts me of something new as it relates to what I'm going through. And I would say the same things are true for the principles that we teach into uh, with respect to divine renovation. And so the, the one theme that's consistent right straight across the board is pushback. Mm. Like I love when Father James, you often say people love the idea of change. They just don't like to change. <laughs> and, and that's the truth. And so leading through resistance is very challenging. But you know, I, I know one of the themes that has really come up a lot this week as I'm coaching is structure. People are really starting to understand. Intellectually, we can understand that structure is important. But people are really starting to see how they're when they're not adapting their structure to their mission, it has huge negative so, implications. Ron, you you're saying structure. What, what are you talking about when you say structure? Okay. You're not talking so, about the building, right? So Yeah, so your organizational structure. Who supports who? And in our old structure, when you had a problem, you would go see the priest. Yep. And in most churches, that's their structure. A priest, everybody else. <laughs> And so it's, it's the solution to everything. Call father. <laughs> I'm often joked. I'm going to, I'm going to write a, a, a book about all the dumb questions I've been asked throughout, the, throughout my years as a priest. Everything and, from how to change light bulbs to what, what to do with leftovers. <laughs> anyway, I just eat those, but uh, you know, it, it's hard because if you're going to lead, you need space to lead. And if you need, if you're going to create space to lead, you're going to need to change people's expectations of how they perceive you and how you interact with folks. And you're going to lead to lean into your staff, your key leaders, and your, your your key ministers, and empower them to support the people that they're responsible for, as opposed to everybody coming to see Father. And I would say the same thing happened to me when I was at St. Benedict Parish, and I took on, I went from the director of evangelization uh, down to the director of pastoral ministry. So I was responsible for the coordinator of evangelization, all kinds of other people. And people would come to me and say, hey, Ron, you know, such and such about Alpha, you should do this differently and everything else. I said, oh, you need to talk to Jen about that. Well, you and I have been through Alpha a long time, and uh, we both know that you're her boss, and so that's why I'm talking to you, to which I'd say, uh, actually, we have Jen in place because she's there to care for people like you, and I do need you to have that conversation with her, even though I knew the answer. Even though I could have, I need to uphold the structure of people we have in place to love and support those who are in ministry. And so that's what I mean by structure. And a lot of people don't get that. They're afraid of it because they've been entrenched in a model of priesthood that you're everybody's personal chaplain. I, lo- I love what you said about you were you were promoted down. Right. You were moved down because <laughs> you, you're there to support. You talk about supporting rather, you know, about supports rather than reports. Mm. Uh, your, your, your comments reminds me of a... Of a, a message that came in through my website just just a few days ago from a man in the Czech Republic. The, the, our, the original book, Divine Renovation, was published in Czech 
about six months ago, I think. Oh, great. Uh, actually, it was just published in Dutch as well, just this week. But anyway, back to the Czech <laughs> Republic. This man wrote to us and said he, he was been reading the book. He, lo- he loves it. And he would really love to share it with his priest because he think his priest would love it. However, however, he's scared to. He says, my priest is a beautiful man. He says, a very loving, kind man. And all the life of the parish is centered on him. Mm-hmm. Every, it's the, what is meaningful in the parish is going to him because he's such a, an amazing man. And, and he, here was this man's dilemma. He says, if I show him your book, I know he's going to get excited, but it's going to kill him. Right. Because he's hardwired for everything to go through him. He needs to personally care for everyone and do everything himself. Now, there might be a lot of things going on, but I bet you that that guy probably has a shepherd as one of his top charisms. And probably high in relationship building and doesn't yes. want to disappoint anybody. That's, that's right. So, so, but the point is that that leader, that, 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 that priest, unfortunately, is going to be a bottleneck for his parish. His parish could be, could be explosive in terms of impacting the world, but it's going to be bottlenecked because of, of maybe this man's inability to bring other people around him and to get the right kind of structure and the right model of his ministry as well. It kind of reminds me of what happened at St. Benedict Parish with discipleship. You know, at one point we had about 30% of our parishioners engaged in discipleship programs like Bible studies and so forth, but our model was to have it all in the building. Yeah. And so our building was jam-packed 24-7 at seeing the parking lot filled and everything else. And we maxed out, but yet we knew there was so much more potential. And so we had to shift our model. And and then we pushed it out into people's homes and it freed up the church. And it it enabled us to raise up more leaders and and multiply the amount of people who could benefit from going deeper in their faith. And so every now and again, we have to reevaluate the things we've done. Because if you, you say this all the time, if you're successful you're going to have to change your structure. (laughs) Yeah, because your success, if it works, it's going to change the very thing that you're working on. It's going to be different. All right, guys, I want to cut us off here because I'm excited to to take a brief pause and then we're going to be right back with Hannah Von Spruce, who's going to be joining us from the UK. Welcome back and welcome Hannah Von Spruce. Hannah, you work with, um, you work, you're based in the UK and you've been uh, working alongside us now for, for a long time, I guess uh, over a year, uh, working with parishes in the UK and, and trying to, to get Divine Renovation uh, going and you've been able to connect with lots of parishes. So it's so cool to have you on this podcast to learn more about what's happening out there and especially before the, us three guys get on a plane and, and try and visit you. So, so thanks for joining us, Hannah. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. I'd be interested, Hannah, to hear, because a lot of our listeners, of course, aren't in the UK, and you're so connected with the, on the ground with pastors and churches, and I'd love for you to share with us a little bit of, of what's the state of the Catholic Church in the UK? What are pastors wrestling with, and, and, and where's their heart? Sure, yeah. Um, I think the picture in the UK, it's probably quite similar to other places in the West. You know, I'm sure it's very similar to, to the situation in Canada. Australia, other parts of Europe, um, uh, that definitely decline, definitely decline over the last 10, 20 years. And um, I think one of the big things that we see is probably the same in Canada as well, is that immigration really props up the numbers in our parishes. So, you know, that there would be, I would say most parishes, most parishes that I visited um, would seem to be full of, you know, um, people from from other parts of the world, from Nigeria and Asia and, you know, um, different parts of Europe. So I, I think, um, especially in London, you know, the picture in London, um, mm. 
it seems like every, you know churches are full perhaps and masses are still happening and and all of that but it's really propped up by people who've come in from outside of the UK so um so yeah um but I think when you when you meet priests and parishes you know so many of them have the same stories the things that they're struggling with I spoke with um one priest the other day he's he's kind of gradually become interested in divine renovation and he's kind of connected with some parishes that um are using some of these um ideas and he just said for him like having a, a team around him for the first time it's just totally changed his experience of the priesthood you know like he he felt alone before and now he's he's with this team and they're praying together they're talking they're dreaming they're like visioning about the future um so that's that's i think that kind of story shows what the experience is for lots of priests you know that they they're alone and they have this huge burden there's fewer priests often the same number of masses that they have to do and the same kind of burden of work um so yeah you would hear those kinds of stories all over the place that that priests and parishes um are struggling with that and it's one of the things that i remember last time uh, i was with you there in the uk one of the things that did come through really clearly was that that priests really were feeling a major difference when they had a team around them and when we say a team we're thinking about like a senior leadership team right yeah. father james yeah. and is it seems like what strikes me as odd, and this is speaking as someone who's not a priest, uh, what strikes me as odd is that it's it's so foreign to so many people in those leadership roles. Like it, it just seems to be the norm that they don't have that uh, that a priest does not have a team that to help him lead. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it wasn't necessarily foreign for a priest to to maybe consult with 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 some key people. I don't think it was ever done really in an in, in an intentional way to try to get balance or anything. But you know, a senior leadership team is not just about consultation, and it's not you know uh, leading by committee e- either. It really is a form of shared leadership in a way that 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 you know that the ordained leader is not abdicating that that leadership role. Um, so that's just the model of leadership that we've inherited the priest as the lone ranger, you know, as the one who, uh, you know, really has all the answers. And, and that's the culture that we've come, come out of. And, and again, is like the quote we read at the beginning in a Christendom model, that was okay because, you know, we, most priests can do what they were trained to do, but to be leaders in, in a church, in a post-Christendom world, uh, we were not trained for this. And we still know how to do all of these things. Uh, we're, we're competent o- over here, but in these areas, if we're going to move into that territory we need help we need we can't do it alone and that's a huge burden that that meant that most priests and most bishops even worse for bishops the sense that ultimately the end of the day with really difficult decisions uh i'm alone i alone can make those decisions and some decisions i don't even share with people because i feel somehow i've got to keep them secret I, i can't show vulnerability i can't even admit to a group of people that i'm struggling with a particular question. And I think that model of leadership is, is, is going to lead an organization into a deficit position, whether it's in the church or any, anywhere else. So Hannah, with, with parishes, as you go out and, and, and speak to them and, and you have conversations about things like senior leadership teams, how are you being received? Are, 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 are priests, are, is their starting point one of interest, curiosity, or is there a resistance? What is it like? You know what? I think deep down, like this is what they want. If you know what I mean, you know, I meet so many priests who, I think this is what they would really like, but you know moving from where they are now to to that place where you have a a healthy functioning team that's really tough isn't it and I've just that and you will have seen that more than me even but um you know just 
I've seen, you know, parishes go through, you know, different numbers of teams because, you know, the first one didn't work and Mm -hmm. they had the wrong people on it or or whatever. Um, So it can be really, really tough, um, I think, to get to a place where where it's actually really working and it's it's healthy and um, all of those kinds of things. But I think deep down, that's what people want. You know, they don't want to be, who wants to be alone leading something? No one wants to be alone. Everyone wants to have people alongside them to be responsible with them, to carry that burden. Um, so yeah, and I just, especially this priest that I met the other day, I just felt there was, um, a real humility in the, in what he was sharing. You know, he was saying, you know, I was alone before and now I've got people around me and just to admit that and to admit that with humility and it is, it's a vulnerable place to be, isn't it? Mm. To, to say, to say that. Um, so I just find that beautifully courageous and yeah. Hannah, what's, what's the range of sizes of churches in suburbs and cities, would be the range of some of the sizes of some of the churches yeah i mean um huge range so um there would be lots of as i said in london a lot of the churches would be would be quite large um i think one of the biggest churches that's being coached in divine renovation is um about 1200 um people at the weekend um and then you know i especially up north in england you know there are some tiny parishes there's a parish that um, has been in one of our little cohorts that has 150 people mm-hmm. who come to church at the weekend and um, but amazing you know they are an amazing parish they um, they've just finished I think it was their first series of Alpha and they had 30 plus people um, in this Alpha so it's almost like a fifth of their whole church that's awesome that's so, um, so yeah I mean it, I mean that's amazing because it just shows you know, that something is, is really working there among this tiny little parish of 150 people who come on a Sunday. So, yeah. Cool. Sense of uh, what's the culture around staffing? So, you know, you take a church of 1,000, 1,200. How many staff would the average church in the UK have on board with a church of that size? Yeah, I mean, average church is probably very similar to Canada. You maybe have a secretary to assist the priest, like an administrator. Um like very exceptionally you might have someone part-time doing catechesis or something like that but that would be very unusual so other than that like nothing wow ron i have a question for you but uh, uh, in all seriousness uh, so you know when, when parishes decide to go on mission one of the things at least the ones that connect with us they, they often like they start talking about how should i build my team who should i bring on to my team and particularly who's the first who's the first staff person i should be bringing on what what advice would you give to them well, Father James says about staff people, you have to ask yourself, are you good at administration? <laughs> if you are, then you'll probably do the administration and then hire somebody for evangelization. But if you're getting buried in administration and you're passionate about evangelization, you might want to hire somebody to help you get out from underneath all the yeah. administrative work you do to free you up to do that. So, But evangelization, we have to go on the attack. The key thing, no, we're, we're, we're talking about the UK. When I, as you know, I grew up in... in uh, in Glasgow, Scotland. And when I was a kid, you might have mentioned that it was on the podcast back on the before. days when there was only three TV channels. Hannah, do you remember that? Remember BBC <laughs> no Two? No words, she doesn't. Um, I, no, you, you're younger than me. Well, I remember <laughs> on weeknights in BBC Two around 7, 7.15 at night, there was a half hour TV show called Pot Black. Oh, yeah. Some of you listening to the UK who are more mature in years <laughs> might remember that Pot Black was a snooker TV show. And oh. I used to watch, I loved watching professional snooker oh, players because right. yes. it was a very different thing because whenever I played pool or, or snooker, I just wanted to sink the ball. Uh, but in real snooker, you're always playing your next shot. 
even as you play the present shot, you're always setting up the next shot. In fact, oftentimes you're a couple of shots in your mind. Uh, you, you've got it pl- planned out. And you're as you sink a ball, you're, you, the primary task is to set up for the next shot. And I think it's the same with staffing. Uh, begin from where you are. It takes time. It's not, you know, you're going to staff up to an appropriate level over a number of years. Don't yes. be overwhelmed. But any staffing position, you've got to be putting a staffing, uh, creating a staffing position with the next position in mind. So, so avoid staffing positions that are, that are going to thwart that. Um, so for instance, it's, it's often a common thing in churches to say, well, the first thing we're going to do is hire a youth minister. That's because even, even, you know, grumpy parishioners believe we should do something for the youth. So let's start a youth group. But I, you know, you, maybe some of you have heard me say this before, the difference between adults who have conversions and teenagers who have conversions is that adults write checks mm-hmm. or in light of last week's podcast, adults download apps by which they can give, they can give funds. The point is, it's, 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 if you invest in, in evangelizing and raising up missionary disciples, it will open up the door for your next hire, whereas uh, some, some positions don't do that. So keep that in mind. And I think that the biggest investment you can make at the beginning is adult evangelization. And like you say, uh, you've got to say, as, as, a, as a priest with, with limited bandwidth, it's not so much a question of time as what, what takes my energy, what energizes me or what sucks mm. my mm. energy out. And if it's, if you're, if you get excited about evangelization and admin work kills you, then hire you, make your first hire someone to do the admin work so it can free you up. Mm. Uh, but definitely adult evangelization is the, is the beginning because that's, that is going to unleash a lot of resources. And there's a difference there between hiring staff necessarily and, creating a team in terms of a senior leadership team. I mean, those are two different things. They can be the same. Like you could hire a staff person that would make a great senior leadership team member. But um, actually, are- technically, I think that no church should hire a staff person who would not make a great senior leader. In fact, the goal in a perfect world in a perfect parish, which of course doesn't exist, but, <laughs> but the goal would be to have a parish team where everyone would be an amazing candidate to be on that candidate. Team. Not yeah. that everybody would be That's on right, it. But a candidate <laughs> that they have that gifting because yeah. what is it that we're asking for? Well, what are your key things that you're totally sold out for the vision that you're, you're healthy in a, in a, in an emotional way that you're, you're aware of your particular giftedness. You have appropriate level of vulnerability and you're able to foster trust and deal with conflict in a healthy way. That should be every staff member, Amen. right? But here's the thing, Hannah, I want to, you know, one of the things that I've heard often in, in Europe, whether it's in Italy, or France or um, Germany is a very different situation. But even in the UK and in Spain is this idea, well, you know, staff who who actually do pastoral ministry as opposed to like a janitor or a secretary or a housekeeper, that only happens in America uh, or perhaps in Canada. You know, that I've heard it over and over again, that doesn't happen here. And I think if anything, you know, that I would love to see the fruit of the influence of divine renovation is that it, it can start to happen because right. if something, when something that never used to happen starts to happen, guess what? If you keep into it, it eventually becomes the norm. I think seeing parishes where they're beginning to do that, you just see, you just see the fruit of it. So I've been spending a lot of time um, over the last few months at the parish of Our Lady of Walsingham, which is in East London, Father James Mackay and... Jordan, who've been on, who've been on the podcast before. Um, and it's just been amazing being there and seeing what's happening in that parish. You know, they're a year or so into coaching at this stage. And um, 
They've got, um, you know, an amazing, strong senior leadership team. Obviously, Jordan is employed by the parish. He's the only one so far. Um, but, you know, just the impact that that has had and what they're able to do there, how they're able to raise up other leaders, leaders to rate, to um, lead Alpha. You know, Jordan's no longer leading Alpha himself. They've raised up new leaders to do that and leaders in their connect group and um, and that kind of stuff. It's just been really beautiful to, to see that happening and to see a huge, you know, leadership pipeline that's, you know, enabled to created <laughs> <laughs> Daisy. Uh, Hannah, you just dropped something what I'm going to just note is it would be awesome if you had a solid wood table just like this <laughs> over at your side of the ocean uh, can I ask you a question because I, I you because you've been doing this for a little while and um and working with a bunch of different parishes and even connecting with bishops there in the UK I just I would love to understand what you see might have changed over the last, last year do you see do you sense any change like I'm talking macro level like uh, on the macro level are you sensing a, that there's a shift that the conversation is shifting you know people are talking more about evangelization do you know what i mean like people know that it's something <laughs> parishes need to do right and they they talk about it and um and you you hear of all kinds of different initiatives that different dioceses are doing and that kind of thing um i i think we've been mapping out the parishes in the uk that we've been um connected with in some way either they've come to an event or or whatever part of like a groups that we've been doing or whatever and um we've actually mapped it out on a map and um it's just interesting to see i think the parishes that we think are being influenced by the ideas of divine renovation you know they might not be subscribed to the association or they might not be coaching but um you know they're taking up some of these ideas and i mean it's very very early days but i'm just I think fascinated to see how that's going to develop, you know, mm. um, how these these ideas and, and ways of doing things are, you know, just start to be embedded in like normal parish culture. I think that's what excites me. You know, how can this movement really influence um, more widely, you know, even beyond the parishes that are being coached? How is it influencing um, further afield? Uh, can I ask a question, Hannah? At the beginning, you talked about how in some places, you know, the impact of immigration is is, is sustaining things. But has anyone flagged that? Because, of course, if, if immigrants are keeping your, 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 your numbers up, which is great that they're there. Yes. But obviously, that's, that, that reveals the fact that the church in the UK, in many places, is not even doing maintenance. maintenance. Because remember, maintenance is primarily about maintaining the flock. So there's entire uh, generations of the flock that have disappeared. They, they're, they're gone. They're not there. And is anyone flagging that? Is anyone ringing the alarm bell? Because if, if that dynamic is there, just give it another generation and all the kids of these immigrants will be gone as well. Right. Yeah. So we're actually bleeding uh, in, in, yeah. a very, in a very uh, dangerous way. And is anyone talking ab- about this among, say, the, the bishops or the le- leadership of the church? Or is it well, you know, our, our, our pews are full and that this is great. Well, I'm not really privy to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. I mean, like the, the statistics say it. So for in, in the UK, for every one person who becomes a Catholic, so for everyone who became a Catholic at Easter, 10 people left the church. And um, so, yeah, it's a hemorrhage. It's a, it's a big hemorrhage. And... Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I wouldn't say I don't hear much about the urgency, if you know what I mean. Like there isn't a sense of urgency other than in, you know, the parishes that are 
really getting it and really doing things differently. And but you know they're a minority. You know they're a very small small minority. But I think you know the next ten years is going to just it's going to increase the urgency, isn't yeah. it? You know it's funny you're talking about Hannah. You were talking about. Um, connecting with people who aren't directly connected to us here in Halifax, but are through the books, taking some of these principles and implementing them and how exciting that is for you. Uh, It was funny. I was talking to Father Stephen Langridge from the UK yesterday as we were coaching and he said, Hey, did you see that article that came out of Australia? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, yeah, uh, an auxiliary bishop wrote a, wrote a, a blog or an article and it was called how to kill DR in your parish, 10 ways to kill DR in your parish before you even get started. That's awesome. I got to see that article. But isn't that cool that to your point, Hannah, like there are lots of people that are wrestling with these principles and trying to put them into play and sharing their learnings with other people and inspiring them. And we're just thrilled about that. So, and one of the things, I mean, like uh, the reason we, we work with parishes is, is, isn't because we just have a passion for parishes, it's because we have a passion for people. Uh, are you seeing, and like, is, is divine renovation making a difference in, in people's lives? Is your work there making a difference in people's lives? And do you have any examples that, that might sort of help us understand what you're seeing? Yeah, sure. Um, well, do you know, um, we have, obviously we have this conference coming up in two weeks and, um, there's a girl working um, with us at the moment on the conference. And I mean, even she, she, she is from the parish of Our Lady of Walsingham. Um, and, you know, two years ago, she wouldn't have been in church. She wouldn't mm. have been really anywhere connected with her faith. And it's just exciting. You know, now she's on our team and she's helping plan this conference. Um, you know, she's a phenomenal girl. It's quite funny because we, so we're based at the Alpha offices in London. And um, so she came in for the first day, came up on the lift and, she bumped into this guy immediately. They had been working together years ago. And since both of them have gone through conversions through Alpha, <laughs> and now like meet together at Alpha in London. You know? Really crazy. But um, so she's, yeah, she's she's one example. But um, I think what's, what's cool is, you know, we keep hearing from parishes, obviously at the end of every Alpha, so before Christmas, lots of parishes finished Alpha um, for, that, for, that, for that term. And, you know, you, you just hear stories um, each time of, of people who've had changed lives. So we'll be sharing some of those stories um, at the conference as well. So yeah. I, I, what I love, it reminds me of, of a lot of the stories that we have here locally, like your story of, of, of the woman who's, who's helping you with the conference there, who two years ago. I wouldn't have had any faith. And now she's helping to organize a national conference around, uh, around, you know, <laughs> renewing parishes. I mean, I, that, that, that's crazy. Like if, if you just take a step back, like, that's crazy. Yeah. That, that's the, the key thing, you know, cause we can, sometimes we can get caught speaking at the I- level of ideas and structure and yes. organizations, but principles, but it's all about people. It's all about mobilizing local churches, parishes, which are the people in the pews to you know, to be ambassadors for Christ, to help people come to know about him and come to know him and, and fall in love with him and themselves take up the role in the mission of the church. It's ultimately about people. It's about changed lives. And I think that that's a key value of any divine renovation event that we always feature, not just, you know, a, a priest or a parish leader saying how their life, the, the, their lives have been impacted, but people who, who were, you know, people out there whose, whose lives were transformed by a church that's actually decided to go on mission. 
there's a, there's a lesson I think in, in in this story and all the other stories that are, are like it, and I think there's a bunch that that come to my mind of experiences mm-hmm. I've had through this ministry over the last couple of years where you can see this kind of thing. But the lesson the, the lesson I think that's present is like you might be a priest listening to this right now, going like I don't have the right people in my pews. I don't have the right, I don't have, I don't have the people yet. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and, and this is the thing, right? Like, not only do you. Our people look just like your people. They're regular Amen. people. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's a beautiful thing because what, what happens is I think once you start to go on a mission, those people just show up. They're the people that you already had or the people that, that you haven't yet encountered, but all of a sudden you've got them and you've got people who two years ago didn't even have faith all of a sudden organizing things at your parish and doing all sorts of crazy things. And it, it's just like our leadership summits, Ron, like our leadership summits mm-hmm. at St. Benedict Parish. How many of those people weren't even Christian like five years ago? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I was actually reading uh, yesterday from, from a book where, where this, the, the, the author said how sometimes in, in, you know, in the world of the church, people say, yeah, well, that's, that's your particular gifting. You're that kind of church leader. You're the church leader that's going to that's gonna rally people and charge the hill and take the hill. And, and me, I'm the kind of church leader who looks after grandma. And the point is that it's, it's not either or. Like church leaders, you're called to take the hill with grandma. <laughs> Grandma's the one who's going to take the hill with you. Amen. And I'll tell you, there's some amazing grandmas out there. I, mean, the, the, I remember in the first years at it, it, St. Benedict's uh, Parish, I mean, the, 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 for the most part, the very first Alpha team we had, the, the average age was like 65. Oh, absolutely. It would, the, the renewal we experienced would never have happened without the grandparents who did mm. most of the work. Amen. And that generation helped to mobilize that whole parish. And as the years went on, the age went down and down and down and down. But but don't write off grandma. Amen. And, and the passion that she's got. <laughs> and especially when grandma get, gets on fire, she's, it's not just her prayers that are going to make a difference. She can take that hill with you as well. So begin with the people you've got, because that's who the Lord has given you. Well, and you say, Dan, when you begin to go on mission, people show up. You know, what do we mean by mission? Because it's when somebody has a transformational encounter with Jesus and the love of the whole God is poured into their hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's when they go on mission. So that's what we mean. It's not a, it's not a mindset. It's not a book. It's not a set of behaviors. It's an encounter with the risen Lord in a way that changes your life. That's what we're talking about. And can lead to simple invitations. Amen. Invitations. So, Henry, you've you've invited us uh, over to to the UK, and we love coming out there. It's 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 part of uh, it's, it's a special place for the ministry, which is why we love everything that's happening there, and all the pastors and parish priests, as you call them, uh, all the parish priests <laughs> who are, uh, are who are on fire and doing awesome things. So, we, we're we're going to this big event, right? And and so, w- w- what's what are you hoping will happen there? Yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. We're like two weeks away now, so it's it's like you know those final weeks before the event. It's very hectic and. Um, but we are, yeah, we're starting to get very excited about it. There are just a couple of moments this week. I was, um, there's three MCs at the event and we were just prepping our notes and we just suddenly got really excited. You know, when it hits you, like, this is going to be, this is going to be amazing. Um, I think what's cool is we have such a network of, of parishes around the country now who are, who are coming together. So I think any time that that, these amazing group of people gets together. We know it's going to be fun. We know um, God's going to do some amazing things because he always does. And um, and then also, you know, there's lots of people coming for the first time to a Divine Renovation um, event and um, people who are just curious to find out what this is about. So, yeah, we're just excited to meet them as well. And we're trying to we're just trying to structure the event in such a way that there's something for everybody. You know, there's something for the people who are just like 
kind of curious. There are, there's something for the people who are getting started. And then there's something for the people who are a bit further down the line. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a great time of everyone getting together and um, just seeing what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Hannah. What you said, well, one of the things you said there was is, is so key. It's key to what we see as, as a way to really increase the, the, the momentum uh, of being of, of, of missional parishes globally. And that's in part like what you said was, you know, it's that network of parishes that are, are, are already on the ground doing things around divine renovation. And we're, we're inviting them up onto stage, right? It's not like, oh, they happen to be in the audience too. No, no, no. We're, part of our goal is to give those, those parishes, those parish priests, give them platform to speak about what's happening in their parish, in their context. And Ron, this all along was part of the dream, wasn't it? Yeah, because... When Father James wrote the book, Divine Renovation, our phone started to ring like crazy. And it was problematic because we had a church to run and, and a vision to, to strive towards. And it was, it was problematic. And we realized that we needed to raise up more people who could help more people. And mm-hmm. so the vision has always been to raise up others uh, so that they can be a blessing to the people around them. And also, in, in addition to that, uh, when, when this begins to happen, people who are in very different contexts than, you know, a, a suburban, a large suburban parish in Nova Scotia. Uh, when, and when life begins to, 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 you know, to grow in those places and even under the leadership of, of, of pastors or parish priests whose leadership style and personalities are maybe different from mine, it blows apart this idea that, yeah, that's good for you, but that could never happen here. Mm-hmm. So that's another value in that as well. And people are going to learn uh, from, from, from people in that context. Like how did you take these principles and these values and bring them into your context? Because it's not just about mm-hmm. imitating what was done at St. Benedict Parish. Hannah, one of the things with a Divine Renovation event, and you know this now, and I say that with a hint of sadness in my voice, is that there are tremendous amounts of work. Uh, it's just a tremendous amount of work, which is why in the past, at least with Divine Renovation events, um, bringing in volunteers to help has been so critical to, to the success. It's a, it's a success element for the experience, but it's also a success element for actually being able to pull the thing off. Uh, whereas you're not doing this at a single parish. Have you been able to, are, are there volunteers? Are people coming alongside? Are they getting behind what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's really interesting seeing the change from, so you came to do maintenance to mission. Um, like Which was the name of the conference we did about a year ago. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, just seeing the difference between running that conference and this conference is really interesting. So mm. I think one of the things is, um, if you remember that that conference, you guys led all the seminars. We had, you know, Father Simon came over as well, and Kate Robinson, and um, and you know, it's just amazing. But um, this time around, we're, you know, we've got some of our own parishes leading seminars, which is really exciting. And uh, you know, just seeing some of their planning and the notes behind all of that, um, it's going to be amazing. Like these guys are really they're really doing it. They're really involved and they're going to be sharing. Okay. And yeah, the volunteers, so all of our volunteers come from the, um, the parishes that are being coached at the moment. So we have about 20 all together. We're still supported by Alpha. Alpha's amazing. And so they bring along their teams as well. But um, yeah, we're going to have 20 volunteers from, um, from the, the parishes that are being coached. And that's exciting too, because, you know, people get to find out from them what's going on in their parishes, how things are working, and they just get to connect and, and hear from them. So, yeah. I'm so excited. You're bumping me right up. I'm so excited. I can't wait to meet your volunteers. What, what's really neat, Hannah, and what gets me um, 
that what really heartens me is is the fact that we're we're seeing what we'd hoped to happen in terms of yeah. we're seeing those parishes own the mission, we're seeing those parishes yeah. drive the mission, we're seeing those parishioners, particularly those parishioners. We see them stepping up, spending their time trying to make it a good experience so that we can get more parishes involved in the mission, more people on fire for the opportunity, so that we can yet reach more people, so we can bring more people to Jesus. And I, I just love how it's all coming together. Uh, so Hannah, is the is the conference sold out? If people wanted to go, is it too late? No, it's not too late. People can still sign up. So, um, yeah, you just go on to our website, the um, Divine Renovation UK website. So it's divinerenovationuk.org. And um, you can you can book your place right there. But, yeah, there's still spaces. And if you've got the Divine Renovation app, you're also able to hit uh, the uh, conference button on the app. And we, we, uh, we added, we added a, um, what do you call it, a book now button on, the very, on that page. Uh, our, our team's getting more and more excited about our app these days. So, <laughs> That's good. so we, we've, we've actually added that as an ability, uh, as a way to, to be able to book. Now, there's already hundreds of people that are registered, so, but there's still some more space, which is fabulous and exciting. So if you want to catch some, some Father James Mallon live and some Ron Huntley live and, and Hannah and, and, and plenty of other people who are based in the UK, it's a great great opportunity. Uh, it'll probably be the last conference we do there for a little while because there's, there's, we're, we're traveling all over the world and that we've been to the UK a few times. So this is, this is a special opportunity if you want to be able to, to you know, spend some time with our team there. Yeah. And is there anything else you wanted to share about, your, your, about what you're seeing in the UK or, or how you feel about how things are going before you wrap up? I think everything's happens, you know, things happen so quickly, you know, like I think some of the testimonies that were at the at the last conference. We've got you know brand new stories and people who were touched at the last conference are, are sharing their stories at this conference because so much has happened for them um, in the year or so in between. And um, so yeah, I'm just excited for anyone in the UK to just just come along and just see what this is all about and come and experience it for yourself. Yeah, I'd like to ask as well for every everyone who is listening or watching, you know that this. Um, this task of pastoral conversion of, of of pastoral renewal is fundamentally a spiritual task, and there there is a spiritual battlefield. and And one of the weapons, of course, that we use is 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 intercessory prayer. So I'm really going to put a call out and a and a real ardent request that everyone listening, particularly, prays for for God to open doors during these days. And the actual dates of the conference, Anna, the seventh and eighth of February. And that's uh, what, what, what days of the week are those? Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday. So wherever you are in the world, mm. if you can intercede for that, uh, the, for, the, for those days and even the days off, if you can uh, go to da- daily mass, maybe offer your mass, pray, pray the rosary, whatever way, you know, go have Eucharistic adoration, whatever it, what way you, you can contribute to this conference, you can be, you can be with us there in spirit for, for sure and to help, uh, help, um, things move along through, through your prayers. And for all those listeners who are joining us from the UK, we're excited to be, uh, be able to go and visit you and see you in person. We hope that we'll see you at that conference, at that event. I know our, we got, we're flying a, a team here from Halifax over. And then, of course, we've got a wonderful team on the ground in the UK. So it's going to be an amazing time. And so if, if, you're, if you haven't yet booked your ticket, this is a, a tremendous opportunity. Do it through the app. Do it through the website, divinerenovationuk.org, or download our Divine Renovation app on the Google Play Store or on the iTunes Store. And we look forward to seeing you all again next week. God bless.